Hello, Snezibo. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm sorry. Calling Earth. Calling Earth. Snezibo. Calling Earth. Snezibo. Calling Earth. Snezibo. Uh, for us to touch on those fights. But uh, I was saying earlier on to uh, some of our listeners, Shosho Loza Mail is back. And uh, yep. some of us, you know, Makotuga might be paying, yeah, 600 rand to uh, live in some comfort uh, on the trip between uh, Johannesburg and Komani. And uh, yeah, if you may be coming from Cape Town, uh, it might be, uh, well, I should say 600 rand from Cape Town, tourist carriage to Queenstown, and uh, 400 rand from Johannesburg. And if uh, you're going to PE, as I assume you will be, uh, 500 rand in the tourist carriage. Yeah, so um, you know how I feel about rail transport. So I honestly feel that um, rail transport is more safer than road. And besides flights, it's an accessible way from, for those to go home safely and arrive safely. The issue is, it's always been with Shoshaloza, is that there's been inadequate investment in their infrastructure. My question is the level of comfort if they've upgraded any of the seats. Because for me, upgrade. Real, Snazzy upgrade. And upgrade. 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 I upgrade. P- up, P- upgrade. You know, I do. It's a dude. It's a 14 <laughs> hour plus rail trip. So, in my, from my country, stuff, but the truth be told is that we South Africans have had we have spent inadequately in rail infrastructure. And we yeah, forget no, that for rail sure. infrastructure is one of the most accessible ways that people can travel. So if you compare the price to um, to um, road, and you also think of the safety levels where you're more likely, because we all know thingy or Greyhound, as much as we love or Greyhound, it's good to say that and accidents happen, whereas rail doesn't have that level of fatality led. It's the same level as flights and accessible to the more it's, it's it's accessible to most parts of the population. The fact that there's been an adequate investment is actually quite um it's sad and yeah. Mm. You know how I feel about real you know, you know Snesibo, I mean, for me, the, the first time I, I ever came to Joburg was uh, on a train. And, and I, I still have very fond memories uh, of that trip. I mean, yeah, it took a long time. But um, I mean, if I look at some of the designs now of those trains, I mean, this was probably like, what, 25 years ago, somewhere then. Still the same. But, still the same. But then, no, but then think about it. So it's not a, if you think about it, is that, you know what happened when Prasa did the procurement and because that's what happened. Um, and you forget the fact that although it's a long trip, you also want people to be comfortable, comfortable. There's a level of dignity within traveling, so people don't respect your dignity. And the truth be told is that not everyone can afford a flight ticket, because even if flight tickets uh, is $2 million at this point, I had to book today, so I can tell you it's $2 million. $2 million. Actually, it's $5 million, if I have to be honest. <laughs> Because it's not it's not at a price level that most people can afford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's one of those, and and I think Snesipo, it's, it's important for us from time to time to to check in with this because we do know uh, that uh, the overwhelming majority of people who make their way to different corners of the country uh, come from working class backgrounds, and if it's not the buses that are also linked, uh, I guess, to the same prasa uh, the, through the Autopax division, it's uh, certainly some of those uh, passenger trains. Uh, that uh, have uh, resumed and we know that 
uh, in the next week or so that uh, there'll also be a resumption of the Cape Town line as well. Let's shift our attention from one SOE to the next, ESCOM. Uh, they've now been served by the environmental authorities, and I guess we've been expecting this one. I mean, it's, it's certainly been coming, and uh, it seems the pain point is Kendall. Yes, but this is nothing new to even write home about. We've always, remember last week, we even talked about the fact that Sato and ESCOM understand yes, what that yes, means yes, when it comes yeah. to uh, pollution levels in this country. And the truth is, even ESCOM, in the previous annual report that they just um, that they published, they asked to be exempted from certain uh, environmental obligations. Unfortunately, in as much as we want our SEs to survive, we cannot sacrifice the needs of the present for the future. When we think about environmental damage and the, the, the damage of, um, um, of, 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 of global warming and all the damages that happen because of, um, all the damage that happened because of pollution, we can't, and for me, you can't sacrifice the needs of the future. In as much as ESCOM is in financial truth, the, the financial problems of ESCOM are caused by factors such as corruption and inadequate collection. But the idea of environmental damage, just being okay with mm. environmental damage, knowing that it can, specifically in the area which they got served for, can actually cause an entire generation of illness of people. It's not something that you can walk away from. And the fact we should be more, we should, I don't think we do enough to um, prosecute our big polluters. And I'm actually grateful they actually serve. Not, the thing is that it's not just ESCOM. Bakona, Abani. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was coming. I was like, Bakona Banya Vincent Linda Lama come. Yeah, Bakona. Like it's not like the thing is that like people think that, oh my god, we have to make power, we have to get this gold, we have mm. to get this mineral. But they forget that the damage it does, when I say generational impact sure. with not having access to clean water, not having access to clean air, the damage you do to the local community mm. cannot and should not be tolerated. Yep. And, that's um, and, I, and, I, and I guess, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of damage is irreparable in many cases. And I think, you know, in that article, when they, when they begin to equate that to lost lives, uh, I think that's when the point uh, comes home mm -hmm. a lot stronger. I, I'm quite interested, I mean, in your view on that voluntary rebuilding program. And I think for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what I'm making mention of, just give us some of the context here to uh, uh, what agreement many of those who colluded on uh, construction bids for the 2010 World Cup. What, what uh, arrangement they arrived at with the then Department of Economic Development, uh, which is now called this VRP program. And uh, have they been paying up? Where's the money from the collusion? I got paid out in bonuses and nice office parts. And that's the true story. Aiko. Like, you can't even manufacture. The settlement was predicated on the idea that they would still be earning. They didn't anticipate a slowdown in the economy. They did not anticipate a slowdown in new construction activity. And even if you look at all the construction um, houses, I, it's, it's Lipa. It's Lipa. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got Basil Reed Business Rescue. You've got Group 5 Business Rescue. You've got Marais Brothers. They've exited construction. You've got a range which has lost 99%. You've got uh, Stefanati. That's also like hanging on by a thread. And a keyword, a thread. They've got 
So I call mine and go, buy chili man, it's gone. Sure. Like, it is what it is. That's the thing. <sighs> That's the thing with the settlement, is that the settlements are based or predicated on the financial wellness of the entity making the settlement. If the financial wellness is not there, I you can mind, like, literally, as simple as that. So we're talking up Snesipo, this infrastructure-led recovery, right? Um, and every single day I open the papers, it's one construction company limping from one cash crisis to the next. Something doesn't add up. No, it's quite simple. Remember, we talked about this, I have a few, even the article I wrote on the construction industry, I think I'll, I'll tweet it out, was that a lot of the construction industry is is based on future activity. Yes, they've mm. won work, but at what price have they won work? Remember with collusion, they could guarantee profit levels. So even if you look at someone saying that I've bid, we've got 10 billion rand of work um, lined up, you always have to ask yourself, at what profit margin? And as we know with construction projects, very rarely do they finish within the specific profit margin. They just don't. Mm, mm, mm. Let's, let's shift away from, from that sector and uh, I guess uh, the sad reality that even Alemali, that uh, these guys have put their heads together to um, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, discuss over and uh, f- effectively fleece from, from the state, uh, that Nalewa is to the point where they can't contribute to this uh, voluntary rebuilding program, which was, uh, I understand, uh, said to be uh, around 1.25 billion rand over a 12-year period. And uh, it seems that that fund uh, might uh, see itself drying up somewhat. Let's shift our attention to private equity firm, Harith. Now, they, alongside Pembani, Remgro, Infrastructure Fund, have bought equity into a company that's looking to modernize the Zimbabwean border with South Africa. Now, that's in Bait Bridge. Uh, It's certainly one of the uh, busiest land borders that we have on the continent and uh, accounting for a significant uh, amount of trade within our region. What's happening here? Um, so, uh, Pembani uh, and Harris uh, uh, came together to actually uh, purchase an equity stake in the Great Bridge. And for me, it's actually for them to highlight that they are both infrastructure funds, so they're technically not private equity. Both of them are very much infrastructure funds, so they've got very long mm. tenures and very patient capital because infrastructure is a patient capital asset. So what they looked to do is um, modernize the bridge and also to collect the revenue. As you know, the activities between South Africa and Zimbabwe, mainly because of the fact that there's a significant amount of trade, um, Zimbabwe, in effect, could be defined as a province in some, if you consider the level of trade right. and the movement back and forth. I will, we know it's You can't true, say that. Say. It's a sovereign nation. To... You can't say that. Can't say it's province. a province. It's a sovereign nation, the Republic of sovereign, Zimbabwe. Sovereign nation, sovereign nation. Yes. But mm. when you look at the amount of activity between both um, countries and the amount of activity within the bridge, it's a very lucrative because, remember, infrastructure, when people think of infrastructure, they like to think of um, roads, hospitals, um, power stations, but infrastructure mm. can also be uh, a road, such as the N3 toll road, which is owned by concession, the N4, which is also owned by concession, and that it is quite very lucrative because if you think of the toll fees and the fact that the road, there's so much activity between trade activity between both countries, um, if you get the tracks moving up and down, it's, 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 um, it's effectively a cash cow. Simply because it's, it's demand and supply. Mm, so mm. there's a lot of 
and a lot of it literally is, and, and you might think it's large corporates, but it's a lot of SME travel in between both countries where goods are purchased in South Africa to be, because we do not have hyperinflation, are sold in Zimbabwe. It's so vice versa things, so it's actually quite lucrative. Furthermore, uh, the development of Zimbabwean mining industry has opened up a new gateway Yes, which, is what yes. I, which, which is actually what I think the reason for the purchase has been a new gateway and a new revenue stream uh, for uh, getting minerals from uh, Zimbabwe all the way to uh, mm. Richards Bay, Richards Bay, which is also the thing because remember Richards Bay is in competition with Flinthook, um, which is mm. Namibia, the Namibian border. Mm. So modernizing that also allows you to attract it. So there's a lot of other ancillary business benefits from it. Just from, not even just from the SME perspective, large corporate, large mining sure, houses. Sure. So you've got to look at, so, besides the movement of people, there's, yeah, there's a lot of activity. So it's, it's, if you think of what you're trying to do, so for us specifically, and that's also one of the reasons why I'm actually grateful that certain entities bought into it. For us specifically, it links up quite nicely with the other, it unlocks the investment in this entity and that potential further investment along the route opens up mm. British Bay, opens mm. up it. Mm. You've got quite a few, you've got quite a few new nodes of development from that perspective. Sure, sure. And I guess with all, some of the challenges in Mozambique and uh, the, the impact that's yeah. expected in Beira, it's uh, yeah. certainly going to open up, I guess, a, yeah, a new so channel there to get to, goods yeah, to do Richard's Bay. Yeah, think about it. The challenges in Mozambique are obviously terrorism. We don't. So if you open up that route, you modernize it, you make it the preferred mode of traffic, you're sure, channeling, sure. You're channeling um, traffic towards Richards Bay, which is more safer, more cost-effective, more literally goes to, so it's not just besides SME, so it's not just the SME travel that you're looking mm, at. You mm. then unlock certain aspects of Limpopo. Remember, when you look at infrastructure, infrastructure is a catalyst. So in itself, it's not a... You mustn't look just at that, that, that direct investment. You also have to look at the angular investment that's sure, along sure. the route. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. And of course, Estensipo, uh, uh, that's a critical point. I mean, especially if we think about uh, the role of infrastructure, which looms large mm. over our uh, grand designs uh, that are going to underpin the economic recovery in South Africa. But uh, we're going to have to leave it there, Estensipo. And maybe, as I said to you earlier, I'm going to make time for you to uh, uh, deal with uh, all of the sort of shadows you were chasing. Yeah, I will deal with them. You know me, What's the issue? You've got a minute. You've got a minute, Nesip. So what's, what's the, the issue? issue? Is quite simple. Entrepreneurs have an overvalued sense of entitlement when it comes to government funding. They are not, they do not do significant and self-analysis in terms of why they got rejected for funding. And then they go and implore on social media without looking at the case of funding. Government funding is limited. The pool of government funding is actually quite limited. And as such, government can only look to fund opportunities that provide a realistic aspect of return and repayment of facilities. It is not fair for you to criticize without adequately, and I say this with love, adequately addressing your own business. It is unfair of you, unfair of you to criticize government facilities and then post an email, post an email on that when you have grammatic errors in your email to show the level of detail and application that you made. So when people, you know how I feel about this. Pause there. Put simply, 
Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. And I think you make a very important point that uh, we can't assume just because it's public money that it's there to be given out and dollied out for free. Let's make sure that um, we build proper investment cases and uh, we make sure that uh, we're not tardy in submitting things uh, that uh, our teachers used to often say, you know, it looks like your homework's been eaten by your dog or something like that. As always, a pleasure to catch up with you, Snesipo, and until we catch up again next week. Yes. Snesipo Maninjwa is an uh, independent market commentator and analyst and CAA speaking to us uh, this evening. If you want to catch some of that fire and uh, the spice, I guess, uh, that's uh, implied in what she's talking about, go check out what's been happening on Twitter in relation, of course, to uh, some of the funding decisions and the allocative uh, decisions of the Industrial Development Corporation, the IDC, and uh, that's where the debate was over the course of the last uh, few days or so in uh, what I would call maybe entrepreneurship Twitter. Nine minutes it is after 8 p.m. Let's take this brief break. When we come back, we check in with the International Labour Organization and their Deputy Director in the Atswane office. So Dr. Johnny Musabayana is going to be joining me. We're going to talk about Convention 154 of the ILO and, uh, of course, COSATU's uh, uh, indication that uh, they're going to be reporting South Africa to the ILO for undermining collective bargaining agreements and, in particular, contravening that particular convention of the ILO, which South Africa is a signatory to. Stay tuned.